Hi guys, the Fairweather Four Blades back to bring to you our analysis of the first victory for Sheffield United in six months, which when you say it out loud is horrendous. Some of the performances since we last recorded have also been horrendous, but it's so lovely, boys, to be back on Zoom to talk about United with you. I'm John. And I'm joined by, I don't know why I paused there, <laughs> I'm joined by Ian. Good evening. And Phil. Good evening. And Dan, who we have to be gentle with because he's just woken up from an unexpected nap. Yes, I'm like a crabby baby tonight, so good evening. <laughs> Fucking uh, hell, if you're like a crabby baby <laughs> now, what are you normally like? <laughs> um, so, we won a game um, in... The best way to win a football match by scoring at the end. And yeah, uh, I think I watched the highlights on Sunday pretty much on the hour, every hour on Sky. Those like little, like 90 second package. Enjoyed that immensely. Um, yeah, I didn't make it up to this one. Um, so, boys, how was the game? Before we start on the game, can I just say that I, I got. Sam's just talking about what an insane game this Spurs game is on WhatsApp. And so I've gone to the comments to see what's happened. And the first thing I see is a, one of these little quotes on the BBC commentary. It says, players keep on diving. Chris Sutton, former Chelsea striker and twat on BBC Radio 5 Live. Doesn't say and twat, but actually I've added that. He said, we saw at the weekend George Baldock diving. It's like we see players cheating and diving. That's... Sorry, I've just digressed already from the start, but that's just wound me up, really. It's just... There's got to be an element of, if you can't beat them, join them. I don't think I, I don't think it was a dive by Baldock, but if you can't beat them, join them. There's, exactly. There's... That six-foot-seven centre-forward of theirs were falling over every time anyone went anywhere near him. Gary O'Neill were laughing about it, so fuck them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I guarantee, if that penalty is... If that... Shout is at the opposite end of the pitch in the fucking 99th minute. O'Neill is screaming for it. And if he doesn't get it, he's fucking chelping about it after. 100%. And I think the key the key for me, it, they, they accused Baldock of cheating on match of the day as well. Danny Murphy said it's cheating. He should have been booked. Yeah. I'm sorry, but Baldock, he goes down because he's contact. Simple as yeah. that. He's felt contact in the box, gone down, got straight back up and gone after the ball. It's not like you see other teams doing where they're rolling round, holding their arm up in the air as if they've broke the leg and making a meal out of every single thing that happens. He's had contact in the box, gone down. Yeah, he took advantage of it. It's not a particularly big contact, but there's contact. But he's got straight back up on his feet and he was the first to the ball. So I I think that the the fuss that's been made about it in the in the mainstream media is bullshit. But how many times have you heard pundits say things like He's done well there. He's felt a bit of contact, so he's gone down. He's, Kane's he's, made a career out of it. He's done well. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's... Added, added, added to which Cameron Archer had his foot trod on when he was going for the ball immediately before I mean. that. A, that's that's arguably a foul as well. But the thing is, Danny Murphy can fuck off, and so can Keogh and them two together on Saturday night. Could tell everyone else was actually doing Mika Richards and Shearer and that. They, they didn't need to get the. They've got the bloody B-team squad out with them two miserable cunts talking about football, so they can both fuck off. And O'Neill, I think most... Um, is a wanker, for the record, but I think 
more fuss is made because it's very similar to what happened to him last week against Newcastle. At least Norwood didn't, like um, Wilson, do a diving joke in his celebration towards <laughs> the fans because I think O'Neill might have shat out a kidney or something in anger. But yeah, fuck him. It's about time. And I don't care as long as we win now because, yeah. Yeah, we won. There's, there's been very little made, and, and I haven't seen it back myself, but there's been very little made of what looked like to me a clear hand ball just before that that was checked on VAR as well. So it swings and roundabouts. We've had things go against us this season that we haven't been happy with. Clearly, clearly, Wolves have had a bad decision go against them. It's not our problem. But no. the, fact that, the fact that there's footage floating around on on um, on Twitter, and we all saw it at the time of the bit in the first half where the ref gives a free kick to Wolves whilst he's looking to see if the Billy Sharp flag's still up on the back of the cop. <laughs> Turns around, sees a Wolves player on the floor and goes, oh, must be a free kick then. Has, abs- has absolutely no clue what's going on and gives the free kick because the Wolves player is on the floor. But, but this is the thing. Yeah. Ref, uh, managers ask for consistency, right? And I think most, most football fans would agree, consistency is what we want. And... Like I alluded to a bit ago, I, I can't remember his name, Forward, who played up front for Wolves, who were chucking Collect, himself all over it, the floor. He was chucking himself about all game and he was winning fouls. He wasn't getting fouled, he was winning fouls, winning free kicks for them by chucking himself around the way he was. You can't have your cake and eat it. You can't expect to be getting fouls like that all over the pitch and then not get one against you. It doesn't matter that it's in the penalty box. If yep. your players are doing it all game, tough shit if you get one back. I mean, that was. A, I thought it was interesting. He brought Kladzic in actually, because he was obviously thinking we were lacking some height at the back. Because that's his first game since he's been out months injured, hasn't he? That's it was quite, quite interesting what Heckingbottom said. Have you seen what he said about? Um, he knew he, he played a four for the Arsenal game at the back, knowing that he was going to play a five against Wolves, and he did it to disrupt Gary O'Neill's yeah. preparations, thinking yeah. that we were going to set up with a four at the back. Interesting. Quite an interesting insight, isn't it? Yeah, he is, but he also got Dick five nil, so he's not that fucking clever, is he? Like, <laughs> but it's a but the thing is, I get that. But Arsenal's a free swing. It's not like he's done it against Luton or Burnley. He's done it against Arsenal. Where he thinks, in the grand scheme of things, whether we lose three nil at Arsenal or five nil at Arsenal, it probably doesn't make much difference. So if can if he can use that to ring out a, a two or three percent advantage over Wolves by giving by by springing a tactical surprise, then. Fair play. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just, I was just being contrary then. Um, what did we? Uh, we've obviously we've talked about the 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 last minute of the game at length, really so far. What did we think to the first half? You know, I didn't think we were terrible. I thought we, I thought we, we all right. We didn't create a great deal, if anything, but we were solid. We were compact. Wolves had didn't have. Did Fodringham make one save in the first half? He made the save where he took one to the bar, Yeah. And they missed that chance where it kind of bobbles into the kids' feet and it scuffs wide of the post. We said at half-time, Ian, if this is the game plan, to be so, you know strong, solid, compact, not give anything away in the first half, and then turn up in the second half and actually have more of a go, I can live with that. I, I, if, if we get 90 minutes or 100 minutes or what it was, on Saturday, week in, week out, and we still go down. I, I can accept that. 
to be honest. I thought that, thought that was a good performance. Frustrate them first half and then come out on the front foot second half. Is it a case no as well, though, where we get to half-time nil-nil and we think, they ain't much, these. You know, because Baldock and Robinson went in with some hard tackles early on. Huang then started to get the slightly get the better of things because he looked like he'd neshed it for about 10 minutes after that. But, like you say, that aside, they weren't... They were threatening without... I was going to say threatening without being threatening, but do you know what I mean? You, you got the ball and you thought, oh, something could happen here. They might just get in behind us. But they didn't really. Well, they, they he, he, swapped, he swapped Robinson and uh, Trusty over. Mm. When Wang started yeah. to look like he was getting the better of it, he swapped them two round and it, it kind of shored that side of it up. Um, Defence, it's easy to say that having won a game, defence looked as solid as we've been all season. I think The goal so. really came from nothing. It's a massive deflection as well. Yeah. Mm. I think West saves that, by the way. I, I think he gets hand to that. We got yeah. into it anyway, but I think he, he saves it if without that deflection. It just lifted it. I think Trusty's really good, really composed, quick over. I think he's top signing, and I know I've said that about a few other people, which I'm probably going to go on to slag off a bit in the next hour about, that we signed this summer. But I thought Trusty, last couple of times I've seen him, gets better every, every week. And considering the changes we've had in that, well, the team generally, but across the back five, if that's going to be the back five for a while now, like, I'm more confident, especially with the run of fixtures we've got. I don't uh, think an L's far away, is it, from what Eckenbottom was saying the other day? Well, I was just about to say, from what I've seen so far, Trusty looks more of a reliable Premier League centre-half than what Anel has done so far this season. Yeah, 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 yeah I'd agree. It's an interesting one, though. If Anel's fit, you'd say probably you'd probably would bring him back in. As much as I think Baldock did all did all right in that right centre half role, I'm not. I'm still not 100 percent convinced by Bogle. Second half, I thought Bogle was really good. I thought Bogle first half was poor. I thought mm. second half it was great. It was it was really good. Second half, aided by the fact that their left back was an absolute fucking bomb scare. I was devastated when they took him off the 24. Oh. Is it Al Nuri? Al I'm not sure. Yeah. The, the 24, the lad, lad on the left-hand side, every time he got the ball, he just kept shoveling up line and Baldock just kept walking in front of his man and going, all right, thanks for that, and charging forward with it. Well, I think, we've, I think we're going to talk about this when we, in the sort of second half, we're going to talk about how do we go on to win more games. I think the situation we've got with Bogle, unfortunately, is if we're going to get him playing at a higher level consistently. The only way that happens is if he plays every game. He needs to play himself into form, as do quite a lot of players. Um, and we may be... be got favourable fixtures coming up overall, I'd say, in the run-up to Christmas. But um, it's... Like, there'll, there'll be games where Bogle's not going to get in the game to get to that sort of swashbuckling, breaking through. And... And it's a shame because I feel like one thing about us, we don't have enough to give the opposition things to worry about. And Bogle is 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 one of our like weapons, if you will, to do that. But he's just offensively not as he's not at that that peak version of himself we've seen in the past yet. And like I say, does have to play himself into form. That's and Baldock, fair. And Baldock play, Baldock has to play every game. 
Yeah, you, you, you've got to find a, we've got to find a place for Baldock, whether it's right wing back or right centre back or what. There's got to be a place for him because, again, Ian, like we said at half time, we're not in a position, we're not good enough that we can set the tone all the time with the ball. So you have to then be able to set the tone without the ball. And that's what Baldock and Robinson do. They, they, they win challenges, like I said, they get in people's faces, like as Norwood took the day, he said, they say, make contact with players. That's that's the only way we can set the tone at the minute because we're not good enough to set the tone with the ball. Yeah, it, it felt it. a little bit like when Bald, uh, Baldock come back. Was it against Norwich last season where he came back after being out injured, or Sunderland, Sunderland was it potentially? Sunderland away where Doyle scored the free kick that was like went through everyone. Yeah, McAtee scored as well. It, yeah. it, he sets the tone, and, and it's exactly what you're saying, Ian. He, he yeah. gets he gets contact with people, and he, he sets the tone when we've not got the ball. And it, he, he made such an impact to us in terms of how aggressive we were on the pitch. And I think that we, we perhaps talk a little bit about what what hasn't been right recently. And it's that aggression that I don't think has been there that, that was definitely there in spades on Saturday. I love that quote in Roy's Views post-match where one of the, one of the uh, Wolves fans went, that Baldock is an angry man. He looked and played angry all match. <laughs> I want more of that. Give me, give me that. Let me borderline in it. You worry when he gets booked after twenty minutes. But to be fair to him, he contains it. Yeah. He... Go on in, uh, John. No, yeah, he, I, he, he has got a level of discipline. He probably gets away with it a little bit as well. But yeah, he's always been. But like he's when we've when we've been good over the. However long period of time he's been in form, and he he speaks well, and you know Bogle on the eye maybe is a bit easier when he's in full flight. But Baldock's a much better defender, and by God, are we going to have to do some defending if we're going to pick up some points? Because we've not really done any defending all season. That's why we're minus twenty or twenty eight or whatever it is goal difference. So yeah, it's uh, it, it's good that he's back in the fold. And if maybe Anna can come back in and be a better version of himself than we've seen already this season, the defence and goalkeeper might be in air of the pitch for a while anyway. We could be like, right, we know who is going to be starting week in, week out. Yeah. But- is there an argument for, sh- for if Anel gets back fit for moving everyone over one? So you move... Trusty over to you put Anel in the middle, move Trusty over to the left hand side of centre half, and you could even put Robinson at left wing back. If you're looking to defend, if you're as looking a, to be solid, uh, yeah, potentially. Yeah. Um, I didn't think, I think Thomas he, did bad on Saturday. Actually, thought it was one of his better games. He looked but, a bit, he looked a bit ropey at first 10, 15 minutes, but yeah. he he got better as the game went on. I think Thomas is. I think he's took quite a lot of flack, but he's like, I don't think he's been any worse than anybody else. I uh, agree with that. And yeah. he's, he's coming to a team that lost 8 0 on his debut and have lost 5 0 since, and it's not been his fault. He's contributed to some of it, but he got, he got a bit lost in translation. But he, well, his debut was at Spurs, and he was, of course, he was, he was sorry, yeah, and he was good at Spurs, and he was really, really good. And then obviously, yeah. we know what happened after that. So it's sort of like, I don't know. I don't think anybody like this load of them have been shit. And if they've not been shit every week, they've been 
all had a go at being shit in various games. So, like, Thomas is getting few pelters, and I'm, you know, young lad, all the, all the like, traditional sort of things, but he is, like, fairly young player. He's played a lot of football in the Premier League compared to a lot of people. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the top three players we have for Premier League appearances, if not top five. He will have played quite a lot for Leicester over the last however many years. I mean, he played in the FA Cup final when they won that. So, like, I know that's not the Premier League. So, he's like, he's got experience at this level. And again, and this is what I was talking about with Bol- uh, Bogle, sorry, he's going to have to maybe play himself into a bit of form. Um, But I do think that's one of the problems we've got with our wing-backs, especially if Baldock's playing, we, I don't think Baldock and Thomas can put it on the opposition in wide areas. You wouldn't say Baldock, that was the strength in the division below. Thomas definitely doesn't look like the attacking fullback. So it's sort of like, this is one of the predicaments with having the solidity of the five. What we, How are we going to create chances? And yeah. McAtee, I would say. <laughs> a lot of McAtee, it was brilliant, but he's only ever brilliant for about 30 minutes. And if you start him, he always goes missing after about 50 because he's he's not fit enough. He was superb, sadly. Yeah. When he, he came was. on, he was the difference for me, second half. He was I'm, superb. I, I I don't for one minute doubt his ability, but I he doesn't he can't play for 90 minutes. So this is you know, made me think about creativity. And the extended highlights I've seen, he's, he's brilliant. He's doing all the things that he didn't do at Arsenal. At Arsenal, Zinchenko just had his number. It was it was actually like quite sad. He, he, he didn't get a rub of the green at all. Uh, obviously, got, I didn't see the left back in any great depth, but obviously Zinchenko is one of the best left backs in the country. So he's a bit of a different levels there, isn't there? But so, yeah. On, on McAtee, and I asked... Adam Oxley and Asaba were asking questions earlier. And I'll be fair, someone pointed out that Becky did mention this in his post-match interview. But I do wonder if he'd have made a sub of bringing McAtee on and taking one of the front two off at half-time if the, if Brewster hadn't been injured. Now, well, it, was, it, was it was always the plan. It was always the plan. That's what he said after, yeah. Brewster was only getting 45 minutes and, and that was always the plan. He just took him off as soon as he got injured. Which I find... I find it bizarre to start that way, but well, you haven't got anyone else. No, but then you, you, would you start McAtee and then bring? You've got a Sula or Bruce you can use off the bench and change it up that way. But yeah, it, well, we don't. I it, suppose if the plan was to be solid first half and go out and yeah. second half, because because that was the difference. McAtee, most of our players were it was. We were pedestrian first half. I thought it was a touch, and it was a, it was a touching away, and there wasn't the movement with the two up front who were either on each other's toes or miles apart. Um, whereas when we gave it McAtee, it's a touch, and he's he's gone, and it, we were progressing up the pitch so much better. Well, it's the best, but like you say, there's very few players who do that for us, though. Well, it's the best that it's the best that Archer's looked for a while, having somebody who will try and play in and around with him. Um, second well, half I thought it was poor first half well, but he, indicative of the way that we were playing he's another one that people again are going in on saying don't work hard enough and stuff like that well 
the, the guy's a goal scorer, and we don't we don't get in front of the goal enough. It's, that, he's going to struggle. He, he needs he needs chances, and we, and we don't create vast amounts of chances, do we? And obviously, he scored two goals for us, both outside the box, even three. You'd argue outside the box, the one off the back, a pick from yeah. his back. Um, like so, probably says a bit about my comment about the wing backs. Not going to be like looking for cutbacks, but there was that little passage of play in the second half where McAtee dinked past someone and put it in the middle. I think if Archer had probably been on his toes, he could have he could have scored. But like, obviously, when he gets his chance. It's not even really a chance. He's through. He's got so much to do, and he hits that in off the underside of the bar. Like that's that's elite finishing. I can't. I don't remember people scoring like goals like that for for United. I'm sure I said this it, on Saturday. I can't remember the last United player I think would have scored that goal. There's I, not many. You you don't. You know, I think could have scored it. Musa when he was on when when Musa was on fire. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. The sort, that's the sort of thing he would have done. Touch out of his feet and 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 take that early shot. Kind of like he did against Man United, obviously with slightly less spectacular. But you're right, I can't think of many who would have who would have actually taken that on from there. I mean, surely in League One when he was going for fun and this like the way Evans used to strike the ball was was incredibly true as well. Like but I can't think like goals are much better when they come off the woodwork. And when they come <laughs> off the underside of the bar, they're like three times as good. And the fact it was from 35, but it's like, it's what this, I mean, United will probably be tweeting different angles of it all the way into next year. But like, you know, it's, it's, it's the touch and the look and then he just sets himself. So such a good finish. It's the finish of a supremely confident striker. That's the sort of finish you'd expect a striker to score when he's scored five in his last six, not someone who's got one goal all season. So that makes it even better, the fact that he's not... Because it would have been easy for him to to try and take an extra touch or even turn back and try and build again. But the fact that he thought, fuck it, that, yeah. that says a lot about his, his mentality. Well, he'd had a pop. He'd had a pop early on in the second half as well. I knew yeah, that was yeah, a yeah. yeah. Well, I think this is a new tactic. Because we've got the examples against Man United, Brewster coming on and smashing one, like when he's got no right to really be shooting from there. And for years we've been saying we don't have any go enough from outside the box. And I think there must be a genuine effort to do it. It maybe has been forgotten about, but Hamer tried one from 45 yards away at Arsenal, which is one of the most broken <laughs> things I've ever seen in my entire life. Norwood tried one Saturday. Norwood yeah. did it Saturday, second half. They yeah. don't, just inside our half. But it's, got... It might just be the fact that we can't get anywhere near the other team's fucking goals, so we have to. <laughs> so it's 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 great that he he got that uh, got that goal, and I mean we're lucky to have a player like Archer, but it's just a shame that all the components that might make him work a bit better on aren't fit at the moment. I suppose. I mean, I'm not sure what they are either because, like, sold off it. Chris. I assumed you meant Oli McBurney because I think he would play oh, McBurney, well off Burnie. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think that is... We'll come on to talking about winning more games. I think that that will... They looked good against Everton, didn't they, together? Mm. But then they've also played together since and looked shit. So, 
I don't know. I think I don't know how long we've got of the first half. A few minutes left, but uh, can we spend most of the rest of it talking about that penalty? Because mm-hmm. I could watch that over, and, and in fact, I have done since. <laughs> it's just that noise, incredible! What a set of bollocks he's got on him to hit that like that under them but, circumstances. Yeah. Unreal. I, 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 couple couple of things on that. I mean, I thought it was going. I thought it was going to hit the bar or go over when it left his boot. I wasn't sure it was going in, but my God, like you say, couldn't have put it any any sweeter. But two things around that penalty from Norwood both involve Souza. Yeah. yeah, so you've got you've got Souza taking the ball and letting and copying all the flights. So he's pushed he pushed Norwood away as if to say I'm having this, and then the Wolves players are chelping at him, and he's just keeping taking it all in. And then when the referee says "Yep, penalty," he then gives it back to Norwood. And Noah's had a chance to compose himself. Yeah. And then it's the bit in the celebration afterwards where everyone's charging to the corner and he's just completely flopped down <laughs> on the turf in front of the in front of the cop, just in sheer I, relief. I know, he's had a bit, I know he's had a bit of stick this season, but I I really like him. I, I do. really like Souza. He he did similar, by the way, after they equalized. He he collapsed to a heap when they equalized in just sheer frustration yeah. and he's banging the floor. He's so quite an emotional character, and you see him celebrating throw-ins and stuff like that. But I tell you what, that we're taking the ball off Norwood, and he actually stood on the penalty spot as well. Yeah, because you see opposition teams kicking a penalty spot up sometimes, don't you? Yeah, that yeah. shows a hell of a lot of footballing intelligence mm. to say to Norwood, "You go over there, I'll take the flag, come back when we're ready to go." Oh, that, that's really, really smart. And that, and that's got to be a contributing factor. I mean, like Norwood said, all I wanted to do was put my laces through it and hit it. But yeah, I mean, VAR checks feel like an eternity anyway when you've got something riding on them. So if you're holding the ball and once it's finished, you have to be responsible for something. That's that's why I was worried for McBurney against Man United for that reason because it took a long time to give. Yeah, it it it's it's wrong. The whole point of this it comes back we're not going to this again, but clear and obvious. It shouldn't take that long then to decide. If Should you've it? got to take that long to decide whether it is or it isn't, then you shouldn't really need VAR. I know yeah. that sounds counterintuitive, but if if VAR, which is supposed to eradicate all uh, all uncertainty and all incorrect decisions, if you're still taking five minutes to decide whether it was or it wasn't, kind of defeats the object for me. Mm. Tell you what else I like about the, the penalty and the aftermath, the fact that... Uh, the whole squad to a man were down there and absolutely going mental as well. That that shows you that there's still, irrespective of what happens this season and what's happened so far, there's still a hell of a lot of spirit in the squad, doesn't it? I, I found it interesting, Norwood, in his post-match interview, saying how he, they'd had a players' meeting, hadn't they? Manager was out, players were in, and players thrashed some stuff out between them. Well, and I found... On the pre-match thing said... That some of the more senior players this week have had to have some serious conversations with people. So, but he also both Norwood and Heckingbottom talked about the connection with the fans, mm. and a lot of the players that are playing in this current team right now have never experienced that connection. Yeah. So for them to have experienced it like they did on Saturday can only be a good thing going forward. Well, absolutely, I, I did find it bizarre they need they needed that kind of t- players talk. But it happens, doesn't it? But. 
But you're right, the balance of the team now is moving away from those who've, like you say, who've experienced that kind of... Well, they wouldn't... They, they probably have them all the time. It's quite easy to specifically mention it if you've won after mm. one. I'm sure that they have little conversations and things like that. They, the Heckingbottom talked about it before the game, in fairness. Fair enough. Um, I, I think... You've heard about it after games before, haven't you? You've heard about Wilder left them to have a scrap after a game once and stuff like that. But this was during the week, from what I can gather. Yeah, It's like as if the players have took it upon themselves to actually do this outside of the normal match day environment. Well, Norwood's post-match interview against Arsenal set the context for this isn't good enough, we need to work hard this week. And the fact that the media team didn't really post anything until, like, I think it was late on Monday. Obviously, according to all the experts, Wilder was coming in and that's why they weren't doing it. Obviously, that's not happened um, yet. Has he been stood down now then after Sunday? Is that, is that how it works? He's just he's just he's stood down every time we win and then every time we lose, he's, he's kind of... He's put yeah, on yeah. On, uh, yeah, on please. Go on, yeah, I'll have another one. I'll let's, let's just take the temperature of the fans. Oh no, no, it's still 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 sixty forty hecky. Okay, we'll wait oh, another week, the, Chris. Good. Take your golf and, clubs off again. Head off I know it clubs. was obviously there'll be a lot of euphoria involved in it, but the fact that when the final whistle went and obviously the entire the whole ground was singing Hecky and Stuart McCall. I like that. That that was good because he probably needed a bit of he probably needed to know that the majority of the ground the, the fan base is still behind him. I enjoyed the like on pitch cam, and I can't remember who he says it's to, but it's one of the newer players. So Stuart McCall goes, fucking Sheffield United, get in. <laughs> right to <laughs> what's face. <laughs> fucking Sheffield United, get in. All right, nice one, Stuart. All right. But I don't know, like, he's, there's a lot of work to do, but to get the monkey off his back in that emphatic fashion, it could be so massive for all the reasons we've just talked about, and especially if we get a couple more players back in the next couple of weeks. Um, And I suppose, before we have a break, um, what's the quick question? Is that the most emphatic penalty anybody has ever scored in front of the cop? Now, I'm sure BT might have hit some as hard as that, but not in off the underside of the bar. I can't remember anyone. Running yeah. up, running up at that pace and hitting a ball that hard from a penalty spot. Pembo's penalty and shootout were fairly yes. that opposite end of ground, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably the only one I can think of like that. Well, we've got three points in one game, four points overall, and we probably need to get another 25 26. So when we come back, we're going to have a bit of a debate and discussion about how we go about that starting with Sunday's trip. To Sussex. See you in a bit. So welcome back to part two. We've kind of done the review of our first three points of the season. Um, obviously, a lot to be pleased about, particularly in the second half. One swallow doesn't make a summer. One no wood penalty doesn't make a season. Well, it might, yeah, but let's not. Let's hope that's not the case. Um, so, I guess how do we take that 
particularly that second 45 minutes from Saturday and roll it forward into hopefully a successful run of results. Um, a few ways we can look at this, but we thought we might kick off first of all by just looking at the formation. And that's something that, uh, as John alluded to in the in part one, you know, we've we switched to a back four, we switched back to a, a back five or three with two attacking wing backs on Saturday, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, what is the right formation to take us forward? Phil, do you want to kick us off on that? That's it, that. No, not really. That's a really hard <laughs> question, isn't it? I, the, the The problem, the problem is. Okay, then, John. Despite, <laughs> dis, despite no the fact, despite the fact, we won on Saturday. The team still feels quite imbalanced to me in terms of you've got two fairly immobile midfielders in front of the back three or four, however way you want to look at it. Hamer doesn't really feel like he's in the right position yet for me, or he knows his role properly. We can't play two proper strikers together because we haven't got two that are different enough. If you're going to play Archer and Brewster, where does Makatee fit in? There's so many questions, and I still don't think just because we won Saturday, those questions have been answered. I 100% agree. Um, I think there's two ways of like sort of looking at it. So the first thing is it's got to be something different until McBurney comes back. And then that opens up a range of maybe different ways of playing potentially, or at least different ways of moving the personnel around. So like if we're gonna if we if we look at the positives from Saturday, it's getting McAtee close to Archer to get some sort of one twos going, some movement. But then McAtee almost doing like an NGI and having to work back and drive with the ball occasionally and stuff. Asking a lot of somebody who I don't think's got the engine and the stamina to do that. Um, I think the biggest problems are twofold and they're almost in the same area of the pitch. So if you're going to play two sort of holders like we have with Norwood and Sousa, and then alongside Thomas and Baldock, we've got three and a four, which are all fairly static, and there's no one going to break any lines from there. And you're relying in within that as well, which makes it doubly complicated. The only one who consistently, progressively passes the ball out of there is Norwood. So if you think about it like that, you're then hitting it from those guys to say it's Hamer, McAtee and Archer in whatever configuration, the ball's not going to get to the front three players quick enough. So how we do it, I really, really, really don't know. Because Brighton's an interesting game up next because they will encourage us to press them. We have to press them because they'll be doing the, putting the big toe on the ball trick and all that and, Jason, yeah, I don't. Th- I don't in- think we do. Statistically, Brighton have not done well this season. And back last season under Deserve against a team that plays a low block, they struggle to break down mm. teams with like a really solid low block. They're like you said, their game is come on to us and bump, bump, bump. You know, the three or four passes is into Matoma, and it's it's a goal. I think we've got to sit in and and and, and frustrate him on on Sunday. I think that's the way to, to do it. And I'll I'd be I'd be amazed if we do anything other than that based on, like I said, the statistics for this season last. But, okay, fair enough. 
But my my point about the ball transitioning out of those eight players, well, including the keeper, eight players. Yeah, you've still got to have an out ball, yes. We've got, got to think about how we, how we try and get the ball up the pitch to mean that the more creative attacking players are, you know, in a position to to influence the game collectively rather than as individuals. So you haven't got Hamer shooting from 40 yards. Um, and, and that's a fair point because I think at times this season we've been reliant on moments of individual brilliance. You know, Hamer at Forest, one example, Archer against Everton, you know, pulling something out of the hat. We haven't looked cohesively a threat. No. Maybe a bit second half Saturday. Yeah, second half second half on Saturday was better, yes, I agree. Yeah. yeah. But but equally there was it was still wasn't like we were raining chances coming from it. And and this is one of my big problems with Sousa. That that he doesn't bring any tempo with the ball. Um and for us we signed in like I was first to say we'd never had a player like him, and I stand by that. But I don't think his distribution is a good enough, and it's certainly not quick enough. And if he was called John, Dan, Ian, or Phil, I think people would give him a much harder time. I genuinely do. That's just me. Um, and like if somebody was to play next to Norwood, who had a bit more mobility and able to pass the ball differently. It's not the same issue that I'm that I that I brought up before. So I don't think he drops. I think Davis in, uh, Tom Davis' injuries probably hit us a bit harder than we possibly think. I think he was probably brought in to be the legs and the the, the kind of running in midfield because that's his game, isn't it? He's, he's box a, to box. Yeah, and, and I think. That's probably, I think the plan was to get him up to fitness and he would come in and be that, like I said, that box-to-box midfielder making a tackle out of his own box one minute, driving forward with the ball, picking up knockdowns on the edge of their box. I think that's probably caused us a bit. Yeah, I mean, fucking quad in a shooting drill. Like, unbelievable. I mean, he... Not got a great injury record over the last couple of years anyway, has he, Davis? I think the question on tactics, Ian, it's really hard to answer what you do mm. pre-McBurney. I think post-McBurney, there is a world where you could argue to play a solid foot. Dan mentioned Robinson at left-back. Solid four across the back gives you more flexibility with the midfield three. And then you can almost have McBurney as a focal point with Archer and McAtee, not as wingers, but Archer just like off him and then McAtee almost in a bit of a free roll in front of three. But then that would only work in games where we're at home against, dare I say, lesser opposition and we look to get the ball. I think for a side that struggled so much for results, we, I think the formation probably has to stay as we've paid for so long. And the only thing that we're flexible on is a little bit on personnel when we get a few bodies back, but on on how much we look to put it on the opposition. So obviously it's quite a good good formation for you know for for shutting a side out. But if we're going to have to like build or so say we've got Burnley away, haven't we? Second of December, yep. pretty much a month away. It's an away game, but we've got to go there and try and lay some punches because they're 
they'll be fanning around at the back and don't need a low block against Burnley. They'll pass you the fucking ball. The shite, so overrated, but company just gets away with it because he's, he's in favour. Um, and Berg will either have the game of his life or will we'll be pissing ourselves. But like, I, I think what I'm trying to say is that maybe there are options for changing it, but for a side that's not picked up set, like struggled for points for so long and struggled to get results or maintain performance, chopping and changing each week and being all creative. And a, I don't think the players are good enough, but I think it wouldn't, it would probably hamper our chances of picking up more points if we start changing tactics dramatically week to week. We have to get, we have to get a degree of consistency to something. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've struggled to get consistency to our um our players because we've had to change it every week due to injuries. We have to keep we have to get some sort of consistency in somewhere. So so if we have to have a degree of consistency and that potentially means sticking with like you say with what we know how we've played for a number of years, where do the players fit into that when fit? Because if we've got players returning, hopefully over the next Three, four, five, six weeks in McBurney. Um, well, McBurney's a shoe in. That's an easy one. McBurney fits straight back in. He but is, then, but the problem but, is you can't can, you can't rely on him to be in team for more than two or three games before he picks up another injury, can you? That that's the thing. He's you you wouldn't put your mortgage on him playing twenty games between now and end of the season, would you? No, of course not. But that that doesn't mean that you you don't play him when he is fit. No, I, think, I, no, I agree. Yeah. But that, what I'm saying is if we're building a tactical system around him being the focal point and him being probably the most key player we've got and the fact that he can't string a run of games together, that causes a problem in itself. So you if mean you try and really find another way really of playing really robust forward up there who you know you can, who can get a, an absolute batter and he'll play 20 games on the spin, then you can kind of hang your hat on it. That's, that's the problem. How many games is it until transfer windows open? We got about another five or six. Yeah, six, seven games. Oh, that's seven, I think. Yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six. And I, I know, I know, money's money's not exactly yeah, growing on trees for us, but I think it, it's highlighting how much of a mistake it was not getting a player of his ilk. Yeah. Well, we we, not... we we were discussing that half time on Saturday, and it's like we said, I was amazed we didn't go for Kiefer Moore. Dan, you weren't keen at the time. But right uh, no, now, you can see exactly why we would have yeah, probably benefited from him. At the time, I think like Luke that. suggested it, and I was like, no, nah, championship plodder. But he would absolutely walk in this side at the minute and, and do a job for us. I I would be I would be really, really pleased if we'd got him. Just because it's another option. Like you can you can literally bombard them. It's you one nil down. Or you, or you like one all. You're trying to break someone down. You can throw him and McBurney on and go ultra direct. Um, like I, they were saying on Blade's pod about rumors about Chris Wood. Like I yeah. heard, I'd not heard those. So Nathan Hemingham said it that um, we were offered a player towards the end of the transfer window who has hurt us so far this season, which alluded okay. to it's not Rodri. Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, but we couldn't have. I think it was wage. It was a wage issue, weren't it? I think he's on, he's on fifty grand a week or something at Forest. Yeah, well, he would be on a packet at Newcastle as well, won't he? So like, they'll be. Uh, well, the, the, the problem, the problem we've got, and it's it's clear for all to see the amount of games this season where we've just had absolutely no outball at yeah. all. 
and that'll that'll continue to be a problem. All right, we did we did counter that a different way on Saturday because we weren't pumping it long second half. We were we were running out almost rather than rather than trying to pass out, and that might be the the tactical flick to try and get used to without McBurney's presence potentially that you're talking about, Dan. But yeah, it's uh, that, you're right, and that, and not having that out ball, it's kind of it damages you twofold because a obviously it damages you because you can't actually get the ball to stick up front, but b the amount of games where we've faded after 60, 65 minutes because we're knackered because no one's getting a rest. If you've got if you've got someone like McBurney or or Chris Ward or Kiefer Moore, that you can knock the ball up to and he can he can stick his backside out, it'll hold it up. 30 seconds, buy you a throw in, buy you a free kick. That gives your centre-halves a couple of seconds to rest and and, and kind of recompose themselves. That's why we've not had that. So we, I, I can't remember who I was talking to on Twitter the other week and he was saying about why we why we fade and why we look so tired because 60 minutes with the uh, without the ball is infinitely harder than 60 minutes with it. So we look knackered after 60, 65 minutes. Whereas if you've got that focal point and that, that target man or whatever you can knock it up to, just buys your players a breather just to to get some, you know, just to get some blood back in the legs and just get some some air in the lungs. And it's so it's it's twofold of not having And I think and I think McBurney coming back is one thing. But I'm not say right now, I'm not saying Asula's the same kind of player, but at least having someone with a bit of physical presence and uh, you know, some legs on them up front to try and hold it. Up. Like Jefferson's a million miles away either now, doesn't no, it? No, which which is a really Good, good news. Like I said, we don't know what's gone on, but the fact that whatever it is, he's seen him back in training and close to being back. Again, he's, he's going to need time, but at least we've got a couple of other options there and bigger, I'm not going to say bigger lads, it just sounds quite old school, but, it, you know, just that bit more of a physical presence up front. Well, I'd fancy a Sula to at least attempt to um, to do the target man role a bit better than I would Jefferson, to be fair. Um, Jefferson didn't get himself sent off like he did at Wrexham, but like, um, I think there, the more the bodies you get back, the more like in the especially in this run of games. So, for example, we Boxing Day, not a million miles away, six seven weeks away. You've got Luton. It's one all. We scored. They've got one back. It's end to end. But like we're looking like we're on top. If you can throw like people like Asula and Jebison into the mix, it ju- it does. They are they are a more viable option than what we've had so far. I feel like we've just had such a weird start in terms of we've had a, a more favourable fixture into like what a free hit, and there's been no opportunity for the players to get any rhythm. That combined with the injuries, um. And I do think that what happened at Spurs just completely knocked the wind out of the team to to a level that we we just couldn't comprehend. And the fact that what happened the week after like, was just to double down. It's just, I, I think, I think, but I think if we look at that as, as Spurs as a turning point, and obviously the events of the week that followed, but equally, you know, and it's it's a, it's a something to cling to. Like you say, the end of Saturday had the feel of that kind of turning point as well. There's some there's some belief in the team. There's a togetherness in the squad. The fans, uh, well, there'll still be there's still some that want Hecking bottom out. 
we know them. You know, some some of them are friends of ours. I, I but, was calling for him out last week after yeah. Arsenal, and, and yeah. I'll, I'll explain why. It, the how we seem to have rolled over and let us have our belly tickled since Newcastle in pretty much every game isn't us. Yeah. And you can't change the players, clearly. You're not going to change anything other than the the, the coaching methods and, and the, the the words being spoken from outside of the, um, the, the players that are on the pitch. Mm. Second half Saturday is more like us. We we look like a team that wanted to get into people's faces and upset a few and ruffle a few feathers, and that's what I want to see from my my football team. That's what I've what I love about Sheffield United, and it's not been there. So, I think Heckingbottom. I think he was teetering on the edge last week. I really mm. do, but I think that second half performance is enough to buy him certainly the opportunity to get into these supposed better runner games. To, to see if he can put some of the wrongs right that I think have been down to tactics and and um, strange changes at times during games. Yeah. Uh, we've kind of rolled because we were going to talk about T, but formation, players, we've touched on players a bit, but we might come back to that. But on the manager, I think you're right, Phil. I think some of the substitutions, both timing and players, have seemed odd. Um, there's no doubt he's been hampered by the the, the the way we operated through the window and into the start of the season, transfer-wise, and then injuries on top. Um, to me, he deserved a bit longer, but I take your point, you know, that something wasn't right and we weren't... Uh, we we had no... We, we lacked identity, which, again, something we talked about a while back on, you know, on the pod when we start to lose who we are as a club. Um but I think he, I think he deserves a run here because the short term boost you get from someone coming in, it doesn't change some of the fundamental challenges that are still there at the club, in the way it's run, in the way things are being done. Um, yeah, so so for me, he deserves at least the run of games through to January, and I think to me, you give him the window. Not that I suspect we'll have much to, we can do in the window to put it right. I don't think we're doing much in there. I think some of the, I think you can you can almost put some of the, what's the way to describe like the supine performances we've put in, in terms of Arsenal, Fulham, West Ham. Manu was I thought Manu was okay for forty five minutes at least. Second half we faded. It's almost inevitable, like an inevitable cumulative effect of everything that happened. Like you said, John, that that being within minutes of winning at Spurs. And then the capitulation at Newcastle, which is which I still think is on the manager. I'm, I've, I've been a staunch, staunch hecking bottom in, and I still am. I think Newcastle was on him. I think the way he got so much wrong there. I think at 3-0 down at half-time, the, the second half should have been damage limitation. Let's go out and don't let it get to 5-6-7-8. If we lose this game 4-0, lose the second half 1-0, just stem the bleeding at half time. That no one would have, if we'd have lost four 0 to Newcastle, no one would have said anything. It's just another routine defeat. It's the when you get to seven and eight, it suddenly becomes something out of the ordinary. So I think the players to have that on the back of Spurs, and then within a couple of games as well, they see what happens to Basham on the pitch. I think some of the performances you can almost they're almost inevitable. The players are just going to be rock bottom, and they're not going to be worth. They're not going to be put in 
putting the shift in because they're just they're almost beaten. They almost feel beaten before they've started. Hopefully, we've arrested that now. Like I said, the performance against Man United, I don't, I don't think was terrible, even though Man United were poor, and the performance first half and second half Saturday was was a lot better. So, and I, I think he he at least deserves, like you say, Ian, to 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 the end of January at least. If we're cut adrift by the end of January then fair enough, there's an argument to say if he's not the man to bring us back up next season, give someone the second half of the season to assess what he's got. But I still, for me, I still think we're a way off that, personally. On on the hecking bottom things, quite a bit played about the injury problems we've had as a club and pinning it on the manager, his methods and the fact that he's reportedly had these issues in the past at Hibs, at Leeds and others. But we've had injury issues going back to Wilder. That were blamed on the training pitch. And Eckingbottom doesn't strike you as a stupid man. Whether you whether you rate him as a coach, whether you rate him as a manager, a tactician, he doesn't strike you as a stupid man. He doesn't strike you as someone who would have massive injury problems at Leeds and go, Well, I'm going to continue what I'm doing, doing what I'm doing at Hibernian, then have massive injury problems at Hibernian, and then come to United and go, Do you know what? Fuck it. It must be a coincidence. I'm just going to keep running these players the same as I've done before. Surely he's clever enough to realise. Right, this is me. If if this is what it is, if it's his training methods of the level he's running yeah. them at, that this can't carry on. There's, he can't be that stupid that he's just going. Do you know what? I'm just going to carry on doing this, irrespective of whether it costs me because it will cost him his job. Yeah. If, he, if 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 he has enough injuries that that affects results on the pitch, it will cost him his job. He's not stupid enough to actively endanger his own job. That that's unless I'm missing something here. It can't be. That can't be the reason. I think, I think we've had a lot of bad luck with some of the injuries. There's been a lot made of it that is the problems he's had in the past, but some of the injuries that we've had over the last 12, 18 months, the, the, there's quite a lot of impact injuries. Hmm. The, the, it, it's, not, it's not like, yeah, okay, we've had a couple, but it's not like everybody's doing hamstrings every week or tearing calves or things like that. It, it's freak injuries, freak accidents, stepping on sprinklers. Breaking ankles when you're planting your foot down—it's it's it's very very odd. Well, One thing, last... Tom Davis tears his quad, stubbing his toe in the last in the literally the last shot of a shooting drill. I mean, yeah, and that's not because he's been run too hard. That's a freak injury. It, yeah. It's a completely freak injury. The the, the last thing I would say about Heckingbottom, and um, we'll never know this because it's not it didn't happen. I think had we lost Saturday. I think we'd be having a different conversation now in terms of how we felt about it. And I think there's every chance he wouldn't be in the job now. Well, I, my take on it is I wouldn't have been against changing him if it was an interesting appointment. We're going back to Wilder wouldn't work for more than about 24 hours. You, you could talk me into if United were, again, it wouldn't come to us. If United said, look, we've decided we're away from Paul Eckingbottom and they're bringing in someone like Graham Potter. I'm not saying Graham Potter because he's he's far, far, far. His, his stock is far, far, far higher than us. But if they were bringing in a manager, you would say, right, he's going to be our manager for the next five to eight years and he's going to build everything. He's going to have a style of play. We're going to have a, a, a definite style of play, a definitive style of play, and he's going to grow with us and he's going to bring players in. You could talk me into that. Bringing Wilder in, I, I don't see the point. Bringing a short-term firefighter in, bringing you know, like a big salmon or someone like that. Don't see any point. No, the only, the only thing no, no, no. is to bring another long-term project manager in. I don't see any any mileage in just bringing someone else in for the sake of change. Can't talk you into Warnock then. 
<laughs> God. Yeah, you that was a joke. Talk, that was a joke for the benefit Warnock. of those that don't know me. You could always talk me into one. I could love to see a, a front five of McBurney, Archer, Brewster, Benny Traore, Willa Sula. And Jordan on, Amasar. Yeah. <laughs> all on pitch at once. It's, uh, yeah, I think the manager, I don't think he always gets it right. And I think my biggest concern with him this season has been that he's occasionally said something where I'm like, Jesus Christ, why have you said that? For example, the uh, these results will come, comment and stuff. And often they get took out of context, but he knows that there isn't any breathing room in the Premier League to, to not get everything, excuse me, everything you say sort of like analysed. I don't know. I, I think as, as part of the manager thing, Maybe the prince should put his fleece on and come out and do like a little chat and actually properly publicly back him instead of getting his mates to like test the waters about it because it's it's just it can't be helpful. And they asked why they asked taking bottom on his pre-match, didn't they? How do you yeah. feel about the speculation? Do you find it annoying? And he smiled and went, Yeah. And I think that like I don't know, if we were all us for going to work and hearing murmurings that we're going to get replaced every day and you're just trying to get on with your job and trying to improve, trying to, you know, it's an impossible situation to work in under and perform at your best. But it's been right. out there since the summer as well. It's not like it's in this last few weeks since <laughs> a bad run. This has been ongoing since the start of the season. It's been lined up behind the scenes and I think it's wrong. And that's the other thing, he's conducted himself through everything he's had to deal with while he's been at United, through transfer embargoes and the training pitch not being right and allegedly not being able to turn the undersell, heating on, not being able to buy, you know, only signing one player, having coming out of last transfer window, sorry, the transfer window last January, a week of them went into it, speculation over his job, all the social media bullshit. He's conducted himself impeccably throughout it. He's never once bitten... He's never really, you know, he's 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 really measured. He doesn't seem to get too carried away when we win. <laughs> Certainly not this season. Doesn't seem to get too low when we lose. I think he's conducted himself really well. He's been he's he's kind of been a credit really. Hundred percent. I think we'd all agree with that. Well yeah. said. I think that's summed it up. Now we've got we've got about three four minutes to talk about players, uh, or we could get straight into previewing Brighton. Um, I think in terms of in terms of personnel, I'd just like to just I think I can't think of it. I'm going to put into this. I'm going to say Wes Robinson, and after that, everyone else has had a stinker or two. And the only two I think who I would say every week I've done at least like done okay. Like done okay. Robinson continues to surprise and delight me. How he's become one of our most important players, which is mental if you think about how he was defended two years ago. By the way, talking about Robinson, have you seen that clip that's been cut of him telling the Wolves player to get up, you fucking pussy? <laughs> Fantastic. That's the lad that's got his arm up in there as if he's uh, yeah. as if he's broken his leg, isn't it? Yeah. I I, I need to find that. But uh, 
yeah, I, I, I just think there needs to be a lot. Some of them need to bring a lot more consistency in performance. Um, and I think Baldock being in back in the side and having more natural leaders on the pitch, I think that's going to really help. I think Norwood, knowing he's wearing the captain's armband probably for the next four to four to six months, we might see a level of performance from him and commitment that we need. Um, and then maybe this sort of mystical, you know, well, not mystical, but the connection to the fans that we mentioned, if some of the the newer players can buy into that, then it can only be beneficial, can't it? Yeah. But the performances just need to improve across the pitch. So many players have not performed to their to their their potential yet. And there's other, there's reasons for that, and that might be tactical, that might be due to the manager. It could be the fact that they're playing against people who are better than the better football. Yeah. Playing against it, players who are infinitely better than they are is always a Yeah, <laughs> we can't lose we can't lose sight of that as well. We've been critical of oh. a lot of things this season, but the players they're playing against are better than them for the majority of the games. Yeah. Hundred percent, but you know, in, we've in got those games on. this season for us to win, we still need the opposition to have an off day. In, in most most games this season, for us to get a result, that's why that's why these next few games are so important. Brighton, Brighton aside, we've got some games coming up that, if we're serious about staying up, we've got to be winning three quarters of the games against the teams above, in and around us. Yeah. Well, if you just if you look at the next if you look at the next two months, Brighton's relatively hard, but you know, hope to see some bounce. Then Bournemouth is must win on the twenty fifth. It's absolutely must win, and yeah. you have to get at least a point, if not beat Burnley away the week after. Liverpool at home will be tough. That's, but that's a free got, swing again. That, that, then that we've got. We've got Brentford at home, and although Brentford are a very good side, we've got to be beating them at Bama Lane if you want to stay in the league. And then we have Chelsea and Villa, tough, but then Luton at home, and you have to win that. If those results go as I've just put, and they won't, but if they did go like that, we'd find ourselves sat on about 15 points, six, uh, I think 17, 15, 16 points heading into the new year. That's a plan. And I do think it will be a low total to stay up this season. Don't yeah, I do. I think it'd be mid twenties. Mid twenties. Yeah, you don't need anything like thirty-five, thirty-six. Not even close. Are we going for a quick prediction each for the for Sunday lunchtime, then, guys? Phil, uh, I think we'll lose two nil. Uh, we'll lose three-one defeat. Two nil defeat. Um, since I'm going, I hope United win one nil. We. Low block the flying shit out of Matoma, Fatty, and Co. <laughs> and then um, on the break, Benetriore comes on. And since he's up against Jason Luke Steele or whatever he's called, is it Jason or Luke? We had one on trial. Um, he manages to score past him in the one on one on the break in the 90th minute. And you see me running around with my shirt off in the away end. It'll be terrifying for you all. I'll drink to that, John. Not yeah, seeing no, you uh, share yeah, on the, the result. Yeah. Anyway, boys, we might be fair weather, but it's always enjoyable. And I hope everyone enjoyed listening to it. Only one thing to say. Oh, the blades. blades.